And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Hey guys, it's Rebecca Price, and we are back with another podcast episode. Uh, Before I go into today's episode, I wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who sent me messages about the a series that I did exposing the cult-like mentality. I got a lot of positive messages from people who thanked me for doing the series, but also who said how much it helped them and it's helping them process uh, things and see things and see the truth and just uh, receive healing and freedom. And I give the Lord all the credit for that. He gets all the glory for that. I think that's wonderful. So uh, it is, it's really, really great to hear. So thank you guys for reaching out and um, the Lord be praised for, for any good that comes out of that. So we're going to jump into the episode for today. And the scripture that I read in the intro is going to be the focus uh, and set the tone for the, the whole uh, podcast episode for what we're talking about today. So there, I want to talk about an, an aspect of God's character that, um, you know, if you look at it from the mind of the flesh, it's a turnoff. But if you look at it through the mind of the spirit, it's a turn on. And, uh, but it, it actually, it's one of the things that, one of the reasons I think that a lot of people don't, it makes people not want to follow Jesus and not want to follow God. And what's interesting is it all depends on how you look at it. If you truly look at it and look at this, this character attribute, if you look at this characteristic it can be one of the most beautiful things that you've that that you've ever seen. It can really open your eyes just to the beauty of who God is. But let's unpack it and let's talk about it today. And we're going to be going through um, many portions of Scripture to talk about this. And um, I want to start with uh, a story. So I met a friend for dinner one night, and um, this person comes into town every once in a while, and you know, I just lovely person. I absolutely love this this young lady, beautiful young lady, and um, we met for dinner. And before we went in, the Lord started talking to me about her and started saying something. It was something about pregnancy and a baby, and so. I knew that there was something going on in her life surrounding that. Like when we sat down to talk, I could tell there was something there. And I knew that is that she wanted to talk about something. So I it, I kind of I was saying, okay, she's gonna it's gonna be something about pregnancy, something about a baby, something. And as we started talking and she opened up to me, I realized um, that she had actually had an abortion. Uh, she had a been with this guy and she ended up getting pregnant and the guy didn't really want anything to do with the baby and wasn't going to help her with the child. And she talked to a friend of another friend of hers who had had multiple abortions and made it sound like it was just not a big deal. It wasn't anything. So she decided to get an abortion. And after she had this abortion, she was I could tell like and she was telling me about it how emotionally traumatized she was she said she thinks about it all the time she thinks about it every day and and how how horrible she feels and how awful it was and you know as a believer you know God obviously he hates murder he loves life life is precious to God and he hates murder okay and so 
he's not happy. Like with when you know when it comes to abortion and aborting children in the womb, it is murder, and God hates that. That does not please him in any way, shape, or form. Now, this is not going to turn into, I mean, it's a moral issue, but this isn't going to turn into a political, political, you know, rant. Um, as she was telling me this, the Lord communicated to me, and I was just sitting there listening to her and communicated to me something to tell her. Now, someone, and this is where I may get emotional because just, oh, some people, you know, when they think about God and they think about someone that sins or that does something wrong, they immediately think God, if God had anything to say to that person, it is judgment, it is wrath, it is anger, it is this lashing out, this punishment. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to tell this girl something. And I said, okay. He said, I want you to tell her that I love her. And that absolutely blew me away. And I did, you know, I, I sat there across from the table and I said, you know, God, God just really wants me to tell you that he loves you. And it was the most memorable moment and beautiful moment for me in regards to seeing God's character and who he is. Because in our, in our minds, when we think of, of something like that, we would expect anger, lashing out, punishment, judgment. That's what we, a lot of times we expect because it makes sense in our mind. But he wanted her to know that he that he loved her. And I could tell in her heart and in her mind she was just grieved and 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 she was sorry for what she had done and she it, it was just having to deal with that every single day and God wanted to love her in that moment and wanted her to know, "Hey, I love you, daughter. I love you." And that absolutely broke me. And I loved God for that in that moment. I loved that, that that's what I told her and communicated to her. And I could tell that she realized that maybe she was in her mind. That's what she was going through in her mind is how can God love me after I've done something like this? How can God love me? How will he ever love me? Going through this cycle in her head of beating herself up and not being able to forgive herself and for what she for what she had done and and the the grief of everything and in that moment god communicated love to her and i love it because if you think about it in rational terms it doesn't make sense that god would say that to her it doesn't make sense that's the aspect of god that i want to talk about today is the fact that god the god's responses to things the things that Jesus did or the things that Jesus said or the things that God does and says a lot of times don't make sense we want to work them out with our logical mind and our rational mind. And because people can't, can't understand, because in their logical mind, they say, well, logically, this should happen. Well, logically, this should happen. Well, God should do this and God should do that. And people will, will make up in their mind and say, well, if I can't explain this or if it doesn't make sense to my logical mind, then it's just not true. If it doesn't make sense, well, then that's not the way it should be. And and it's a very arrogant place to be because, you know, humans will elevate their mindset above and their knowledge above all. They'll say, well, if I can't work it out in my mind logically, well, then it must not be true. Well, the fact is, though, there are things that happen 
that people can't explain. If you are someone who literally can explain every single thing that goes on, you have all knowledge, you have all wisdom, you would be God. But there are plenty of things that happen today in the world that people just can't explain, regardless of whether they believe in God or not, there is the unexplainable. There are miracles that happen. Things that even doctors and people would say, but this is impossible. How did this happen? You know, this is impossible. And you have these logical thinkers that will try to come in and try to bring explanation. But the truth is, there are just some things that people can't explain. And if that is true, and if that is the case, and if there's even one thing in your life that you can't explain or you don't understand, you can't explain why it happened, then that means that you have a finite mind and you do. And that means that there is something that is not beyond your knowledge, beyond your comprehension, and beyond your reach. So that means that there is a mind that is greater than yours. That means that there, while you have a finite mind, perhaps there is the existence of an infinite mind, of one that has someone that has all knowledge and all wisdom. And it's hard for people to, to comprehend that and to think that way or want to accept that. And some of it is, as I've talked before, the worship of self, the wanting self to be the most important, the, the, that people's own thoughts are more important than, than God's thoughts or that, or that people want to be the center stage and, and, it, and they want the credit for everything. And, and it's, it's a very, very selfish mindset, selfish mentality. They want to be their own, their own God and, and they want to, they want to, you know, trust their mindset and trust their processes and things that think that they know best. But the truth is, is there are times where people will think they know best in a moment and then realize that they did not know the best and they screwed up and they messed up. I heard a uh, guy on a radio show talk about how he had cheated on his wife and with this coworker at work. And I guess he thought it was the best thing to do at the time because he was attracted to his coworker and they clicked and it was just, it was really great or whatever. And so then once he cheated on her, um, he and his wife separated and then he ended up moving in with this girl. Well, he was talking, you know, to this counselor on the radio show and said, well, what ended up happening is that girl cheated on the girl that he cheated on his wife with ended up, I think, cheating on, on him ended up, I think, having a baby by someone else, something to that effect, and then she ended up leaving him. And he and he and his wife, apparently, his ex-wife, were still on speaking terms, and he would go back and he would talk to her, and she, was, she actually listened and was understanding, um, which is, that speaks to a lot right there. But he was talking to this counselor about how he realized how badly he had screwed up, that he had lost his wife, which was the best thing that ever happened to him by making a decision that he thought was the best at the time. And it just goes to show that, you know, when, when people elevate their logic, you know, above, um, when they elevate, elevate flesh above the spirit, I'm going to put it that way. When they elevate flesh above the spirit and they say, well, in my fleshly flesh, you know, I know what's best and I know what's better and then this, these things like that happen, then it just goes to show that the human mindset and the human emotions cannot be 100% trusted all the time. You, uh, people can, can say, you know, well, well I, you know, I always follow my heart 
And that is the worst advice ever because your heart will lead you into some stupid places. Your heart, if, it, if your heart um, is not focused on loving God, which God says, love me with all of your heart, then if your heart, if you follow your heart and where your heart leads and where your heart goes, your heart will lead you stupid places. Your emotions will lead you stupid places. Emotions are up and down all of the time. And a lot of times people may think they're making decisions in wisdom when really they're making decisions based on emotions and then they pay the consequences for that. So why, why am I saying all this? Where is all of this going? Well, there are some people that don't want to follow God and don't want to follow Jesus because they don't understand his ways. They don't understand his mind and why, because they can't rationalize in their fleshly mind why that would happen, why God would do something like that. The people in the boat with Jesus, when he calmed the storm, literally said this. They said, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? It doesn't make sense. They'd never seen anything like that before. They had never seen this man, Jesus. They'd never seen a man get up and literally speak and tell the storm to stop and it obeyed. They'd never seen that before. It didn't make sense to them. They're sitting there trying to figure it out. They're trying in their mind to work this thing out. Like, why? Why do this, it doesn't, it just, they couldn't, it didn't make sense. Okay. I want to look at some other passages in the Bible and let's talk about this. Talk about how people responded to these things that just, that it didn't make sense. Okay. So in Luke 8, um, no, not Luke 8. Sorry. That was the, the storm. We're going to go to uh, John chapter 8. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, we're going to look at the woman caught in adultery and I'm going to read this and, uh, I, you'll, you'll understand why I'm talking about this in a minute. Okay. So I'm going to start with, um, verse two, early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them the scribes and the Pharisees and the scribes brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. So caught in the act of adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, now she could have been completely naked. Uh, she, uh, who knows at this point. Placing her in the midst of, in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So they were throwing the law at him, throwing, you know, all that the Old Testament mindset at him. They were trying to trap Jesus, uh, but Jesus didn't fall for the trap. It said that this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And, and it doesn't say what he wrote. That's the most incredible thing. Uh, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So let's look at this. First of all, I think what's great about this passage is the fact that Jesus never sinned. 
Uh, and he was, who more qualified to say this? People like to use this verse all the time, but who more qualified to say this than Jesus, than the man who never sinned, to look at the scribes of the Pharisees and say, hey, <coughs> excuse me, and say, hey, if you guys never made a mistake before, if y'all have never sinned, go ahead, let your stones fly. If you're without sin, go ahead, throw the stone first. And they couldn't say it. They couldn't say it. And they were they were before people because it would make them out to be liars. They couldn't say that. Of course they'd sinned. Of course they'd broken the law. It says if you break one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it, right? So they had to, in that moment, walk away, which is great. So then Jesus is standing with the woman. And I've said this before in podcasts years ago. You know, this could be the time where Jesus could turn around to her and say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Boy, you sure didn't make a stupid mistake. This is He could have gone off on her because, you know, the scribes and Pharisees had walked away at this point. He could have gone off. He could have said all kinds of stuff and, and all this mess, but he didn't. What he did was he showed he loved her and he set her free because she was expecting condemnation. And that's what they were trying to bring. They were trying to condemn her. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He said, uh, go. And he said, sin no more. So there he goes. He sets her free by not condemning her. But then he also tells her the repentance aspect of it. Now you need to go and don't sin anymore. Don't live a life of sin anymore. You be a different person. And What's great about this is this is not the response that people expected. And this is why Jesus kept tripping people up. This is why, Je because they expected a completely different response from Jesus. They were waiting to trap him. And this is not the response. It was completely opposite from what the Pharisees and scribes did. They were ready to go at this girl. They were, they were excited that they had found a woman that was caught in this act. Just ready to bring her before and ready to heap condemnation. And Jesus did the opposite of condemnation. He set her free. He had mercy on her and he set her free. And it was completely opposite from the mindset of the Pharisees and scribes. They didn't understand it. That's why they didn't like Jesus. They couldn't work it out in their mind. They were trying to work it out logically in their mind. It didn't make sense to them and it angered them. That's, I mean, why would why in the world would Jesus say this? Why, why doesn't he just condemn her? Why doesn't he do this? And Jesus had a completely opposite response. It didn't make sense to them. The things oftentimes that Jesus does in the Bible and talks about, it doesn't make sense to the mind of that's in the flesh. It doesn't make sense to the flesh. But that's why Jesus doesn't walk. He doesn't, he doesn't walk in the flesh, but in the spirit. Okay? Let's look at another, uh, another portion of scripture. I'm going to look at Luke 19.2. Okay? We're going to start there. And we're going to read about another instance where Jesus did something and it just didn't make sense to people. Uh, I'll start with verse one. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, these are the people that were there, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come into this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. It often angered people in the Bible when Jesus would eat with sinners. When Jesus would, would eat with sinners, he'd eat with prostitutes and tax collectors. Here, tax collectors often um, were ruthless men. They would cheat people. They would steal from people. And that's why Zacchaeus said, if I've defrauded anyone, I will pay fourfold. He repented of what he did and said, look, I'm, you know, I'm, this is what I'm going to do to make it right. Because of G because Jesus, because of the love that Jesus had shown him. And Jesus is like, hey man, come down. I'm eating at your house today. And the people didn't understand it. They were angry because it didn't make sense to them. Well, it doesn't make sense that Jesus, somebody like Jesus, who is this, this, this holy man, this holy teacher or whatever, would eat with a man like that who cheats people and defrauds people. What's the point? And Jesus told him the point in the end. He said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. People like Zacchaeus are the very ones I'm sent to reach. They're the ones that need me. They're the ones that need saving. But the people didn't understand it. They're all, oh, he's eating with a sinner. He, clearly, he doesn't know. Clearly, he, he doesn't know what he's doing because he's eating with this man. They didn't like it. They couldn't work it out in their mind. It didn't make sense to them. Why would Jesus eat with a sinner? Now, a side note to this. People will often take things like this out of context and they'll be like, oh, well, Jesus ate with sinners, so Jesus is okay with my sin. No, it doesn't say that Jesus sinned with sinners. It said that he ate with sinners. He ate with them to reach them out of love, to, to teach them, to tell them the truth. He ate with the people that no one else wanted to eat with because that's what he, that was his mission, to seek and save the lost. He didn't say that Zacchaeus didn't have anything wrong with him. He referred to Zacchaeus as being lost and saying, hey, salvation has come to your house today because you, you've repented. Salvation has come to your house today, has come to this house because you were lost. So people, you know, when they try to bring that, oh, well, Jesus is okay with my sin. No, he's not. He wouldn't call you lost if he was okay. He wouldn't, you wouldn't need saving if he was okay with it. So no, that's not what he's saying. Jesus ministered to those who were sinners and who were lost. He loved them. He ministered to them. That's why he told the woman in adultery, go and sin no more. If he was fine with her sin, if he was okay with her sin, he wouldn't have told her that. He would have just said, I don't condemn you. See you later. He said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Don't live the life of sin anymore. Be changed. Be, be the new woman. Okay. Be a new woman. Be a new person. Be changed. Let this situation where I have shown love and kindness and mercy to you, let it transform you. Where I do not condemn you, go, sin no more. So I'm just destroying that argument of people today. You know, the Bible is very clear about where God stands about sin. Okay? All right. So we're going to look at another verse. And I want to look at, this is probably one of the biggest examples. I just wrote down some examples today. This is also in Luke. I didn't realize how much we were in Luke today. I just realized that. Um, and then we're going to expound upon this. So once again, you know, what trips people up about God and, and Jesus is the response. is is his response to things, okay? So in Luke 23, uh, 34... Let's see, let me get down to here. All right, so this is probably one of the biz biggest examples 
And it's actually related to um, a place that we're going to go in Matthew after this. This is probably one of the biggest examples. And even myself, I have said, I've read the scripture and I have said to myself, how? How how do you have the strength to do this? Because it takes strength. So Jesus at this time has been on the cross. He's being crucified. He has been whipped, beaten. He, I mean, it's, it's just brutal, brutal, bleeding out in, in agonizing pain. And in verse 34, he said, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. After experiencing all of this torment and and beatings and whippings to the point where he was unrecognizable as a man, okay, after experiencing all of this, He's still on the cross. They're mocking him even then. They're they're mocking him. There's hatred there for who he is. They're mocking him and saying, well, why don't he save himself? Where, you know, all these things when he's in this agonizing pain, and yet he still looks at them and he says, Father, forgive them. How powerful. And 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 how powerful is that? And it doesn't make sense. Because anybody in the flesh is going to say, if they're mocking me, that's the last thing I'm going to say. If I had just gone through all of that, that is the last thing that I would say to the people. It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't. How could someone go through all of that mistreatment, being completely innocent, having done nothing wrong, knowing that he's innocent, go through all of that pain and and being beaten and spit on and, and everything that he went through? And yet still look upon the very people that have hate in their eyes toward him and say, Father, forgive them. How could he have mercy upon them? In, our, in the flesh, that doesn't make sense. Someone's looking at that and they're going, it doesn't make any sense. That, why, why would he respond that way? And, and because when we get mad at people, when we get angry at people, we want to lash out at them. We want revenge. In, 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 our, in the fleshly emotion, we want to get back. We're ready to start swinging. We're like, oh, I'll get them. You just wait. You know, somebody is ugly to you or somebody cusses you out in the store. You want to look at them and you don't, you know, you don't want to, to be calm. You don't want to walk away. You don't want to turn the other cheek. What you want to do, if we're being honest, is be like, screw you too. You know? Or you want to cuss somebody out or you want to yell that you want to say this and you want to say that in our flesh. That's what we want to do. But the flesh doesn't understand the things of the spirit. That's why the flesh and the spirit, when when it talks about the flesh and the spirit in the Bible, the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. The kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of the flesh. Fleshly thoughts, it's, it's sinful man. All right. But the kingdom of the spirit, kingdom of light is the kingdom of the spirit, God's Holy Spirit one that is led and directed by the Holy Spirit. When you become a child of God, you have God's Spirit in you and you begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Is that all of them? I might have missed a couple. I think I did. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anyway, you produce the fruit of the spirit. You produce a different fruit than you did when you were the flesh. Because if you live for the flesh, you're going to do whatever you want to do. You're going to lead yourself. You're going to shoot your mouth off. You're going get, to get back at people whenever they, whenever they get you. I'm going to get them. You're going to be very reactionary. Whereas in the spirit, you filter everything through the spirit of God. And it doesn't make sense to the mind of the flesh. It doesn't make sense. 
And even when you are, even when you are a child of God, you can still feel that war inside of you because you want to say something. You want to get back. You want to lash out. You want to be ugly. That is what you want to do. But you have to say to yourself, you have to die to the flesh. This is why Jesus talks about you got to die to the flesh. You know, you got to put off the old man and put on the new man. You can't be the old man and say that you're changed and you have a new mindset. You are a new person. You are a new man. You don't walk in the former ways. You walk in the new ways. You walk, you keep in step with the spirit. And in order to do that, you have to die to the flesh. You have to kill the flesh. You have to say, it doesn't matter what the flesh wants because I'm a changed person. I'm a child of the king and I respond differently to things now. Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to the flesh? Logical sense to do that. That if somebody does something wrong to you, that you love them, that you pray for them. What sense does that make? And that's why some people do not want to follow God and do not want to follow Jesus because it doesn't make sense because they have a mind of the flesh that says, I want to lash out. I want to swing my fist first. And a lot of that comes from people, comes from times of pain, pain that hasn't been dealt with, pain that hasn't been healed from. Because when you're in pain, when, you know, I think about a wounded animal, an animal that's caught in a trap. All right. I've said this many times before to refer to, to, to people that aren't healed. Whenever you are, whenever a, a, an animal is caught in a trap, if you try to free them, like I think like maybe a fox or something caught in a bear trap, whenever you try to free them, they're going to, they're going to bite the mess out of you because they're scared. They're in pain. At that point, they are reacting out of sheer pain and torment and they're going to bite you and attack. And you're sitting there trying to set them free. You're trying to get the, get the trap off. You're trying to get the claws out so they can heal, but they're going to react because they're in pain. And a lot of times that's why people don't want to forgive because they want to, they'd rather hold on to their pain. They'd rather hold on to the trauma. They'd rather, instead of letting it go and allowing God to heal them. And I used to be this person. I used to be that. And I still have to watch myself of it because you know, it's, it's human. It's very human to want to get back at someone that is ugly to you or that does or that wrongs you. It's very human. But again, when you become a child of God, you die to the flesh and people, some people don't want to do that. Nah, man, uh-uh, I'm, I'm going to get them back for what they did for me. I'm going to get them back for what they did for me. And what you don't realize is in the Bible, God says vengeance is mine, meaning what? Meaning that God will, God will repay your enemies. Let God repay your enemies. You know, God loves your enemies because God seeks, God wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to turn to him. He does not want a soul to burn in hell. If somebody tells you that God wants people to go to hell, God does not want people to go. Hell was not created for us. Hell was created for as a place for Satan and his demons. Hell is just a consequence of sin is a consequence of choosing sin and choosing to live in your sin and choosing, you know, choosing the flesh instead of believing in Christ and receiving his spirit, becoming a child of God. Hell is just, it's a, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, I'm not going to say byproduct. What? I don't know. The, I'm, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but hell was never meant for us. So when we respond like Jesus, and we don't lash out at our enemies, but we show them love and mercy, um, that could very well be the thing that the Bible says that it heaps hot coals on them, 
Uh, that could be the very thing that makes them stop and say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Why would they show me love after I've just treated them like crap? Why would that, why, why would they do that? It gets their wheels turning and their wheels thinking and, and their mind thinking. And that could be the very thing that leads them to Christ because they realize that they say the same thing. What, what kind of person is this that when I am, well, that when I am ugly to them, that they respond in kindness? What kind of person is this? That's the very thing that may, that just like it, just like Jesus, you know, Jesus said that we have Jesus in us. We have the spirit of Christ in us. It's his Holy Spirit. All right. Jesus himself is sitting at the right hand of the father, but we have his spirit inside of us and we are supposed to be his hands and feet on the earth. He says, greater things will you do. And we're supposed to walk in his character so that people can say the same thing, say, say the same thing to us. What kind of person is this that, that, wow, I mean, that they acted this way. I think about um, the, and, and, it, and this is even hard to fathom. I think about, uh, there's a, a, a case, and this has happened several times, but there was a case where this man's son was murdered. And the guy that murdered his son was on trial. And this guy gets up. Now, this is his son. Son didn't do anything wrong. This guy just murdered him. I don't know if he was trying to rob him or whatever. Excuse me. This man, the father, gets up and he goes and he hugs the neck of the person that murdered his child. And he says, I want you to know I forgive you and I love you. Tell me what logical sense that makes. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to the fleshly mind. The fleshly mind says, yeah, I hope you go to prison for 70 years and I hope you freaking die in there. You know, I hope you get the death penalty. That's the flesh wanting lash, wanting revenge, wanting justice, wanting justice for that. But instead he goes and he hugs the person, which I think the guy ended up going to, ended up going to prison, but he hugs him and he says, I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And that prisoner the guy that the, the guy that was um, that ended up going to prison cried his eyes out. I wonder what that did to him. I, I mean, how in the world could I wonder how in the world he could he could sit there and 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 that not change his life and him be like, but I just killed his son. Why in the world would he want to embrace me after that? I took his whole world away. Why would he why would he want to embrace me after that? And again it was these very things. You know that Jesus when when you see Jesus doing these things that people don't expect, the flesh hates it because they're like, "Why? It don't make any sense. He's a weirdo." When in reality they're missing the beautiful aspect of who God is. God doesn't respond like us, and I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that God doesn't respond like us. That God is, is in control of himself all the time. That he has righteousness and he has, he is, he's just and he's perfect. And he has a mind that understands everything, whereas mine's finite. I love that about him. And if you don't, if you don't listen, you'll miss this beautiful aspect of who God is. There is actually a part in the, in the Old Testament where David made a big mistake. He had sinned against the Lord. And, um, and this is what David said, and this is in uh, 2 Samuel um, 24, if you want to go look at it. But 
it said, And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So even there, David understands uh, in that passage, he understands the mind and the heart of God. He's like, God is a merciful God. God doesn't think like man does. Men are ruthless. They're vengeful. They are, they're arrogant. They're, they're horrible. I would rather fall into the hands of God who is merciful and loving that I know because he, he, he was intimate with God. He knew God. He said, I'd rather fall into God's hands than in man's hands. He said, because God responds differently. He still had to be punished. They still had to be punished. And there was still pestilence in the land. And I think it said, um, the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from morning until the appointed time. And there died the people of Dan, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And so there still had a consequence that was suffered. But he understood that God, because God's of God's character of who he is, he's like Man, the flesh mind, man in the flesh responds one way. God in the spirit responds another way. And I trust God's spirit more than I trust the mind of men and the reaction and the, the motives of men. How important is that? How great is that? That David even saw that in the Old Testament before Jesus ever came. He saw that aspect of the Lord, that the Lord's response is different than the response of man. And I love that. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting passage to really think about. And I wanted to talk about, too, that, you know, going back to things that don't make sense. We can even go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve screwed up. Adam and Eve sinned. All right? They made a mistake. It doesn't make sense that God would still redeem his people later on. What sense does that make in the logical mind? The, the sense to us, like if it made sense to, to, the, to the man's mind, to the flesh, would say, ah, they got what they deserved. Well, God just, you know, he, God needs to, needs to start over, excuse me, or God needs to forget them and move on or whatever. But the way that God responds, his mind, his spirit, his character is different from the flesh. And that's why the flesh a lot of times can't understand. It can't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't understand the kindness of God, the attributes of God. It doesn't because it tries to make sense of it and it doesn't make sense when you look at it in the eyes of the flesh. Redemption, that Jesus, innocent, would die for, for people that were guilty. That an innocent man would die for the guilty. It, does, it doesn't make sense. But what's great about God is, you know, because it says in Romans 2, 4, it says, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Are there people that come to God because they come to God out of fear or things like that? Sure, you know, out of fear of the Lord, should I say, you know, out of, you know, out of a, out of a awe and a reverence for God, you know, yes, but it says here that the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. The kindness, 
And that's what people miss about God. The kindness that he showed Zacchaeus. The kindness the kindness that was shown to the woman in adultery. The kindness. I've always told my husband this. I've said kindness is one of the most powerful, powerful influencers today with people. That's one thing that I prayed when I, for a husband, I said, God, just please send me someone who's kind. Because I had, I had met guys and met men that were just mean and manipulative and I just cried one night and I said God in sending me a husband please send me someone who's kind kindness to me can be one of the biggest game changers when it comes to people when it comes to interacting with people and, and having relationships with people and meeting people acts of kindness can do wonders there are people that have said that acts of kindness have, have saved them from suicide and things like that. And here it says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. But again, that doesn't make sense to people because people are like, well, well, you know, why we don't deserve for God to be kind to us. Why it doesn't it doesn't make sense. How many times do people say that it doesn't make sense? And God talks about how love covers over a multitude of sins. How when you are loving and kind to people who have sinned, who have screwed up, who have messed up, it can be the very thing that changes their life. It doesn't make sense to people. It doesn't make sense to the mind of the flesh. This is why people don't understand why, you know, God can say people depart from me, I never knew you. Why people don't understand how you, you can't live a life of sin. You can't live in sin and know who God is. Because you, when you become God, when you become a child of God, you are changed. You have his spirit. You are a new man. And God's ways are not the ways of the flesh. The ways of the flesh and the ways of the spirit are completely different. And I thank God for it. I thank God that he's different than how men are. Because let's face it, men can be vengeful and cruel and ugly and selfish. Look at the things that go on in the, in the world today that are absolutely built on the selfishness and evil ambitions of men. Human trafficking, to me, is one of the worst things ever. You look at that, you look at murder, you look at rape, you look at uh, robberies, you look at all these things that happen, you know, liars and thefts and all these things that come from the mind of the flesh. That's what the flesh births. It's selfish. It births self. It's not spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, I should say. Not the, a demonic spirit, okay, but not the Holy Spirit. That doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. And again, because people can't make sense of how Jesus lived and Jesus, why Jesus responded a certain way or why God responds in certain situations, why instead of seeing that as a, a beautiful aspect of God's character, people will say, well, you know, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And if it doesn't make sense, well, then it must not be true. And it's a very arrogant, arrogant stance to make. It's a very, or a lot of times it's, it's blaming things on God that were, that were not his fault. You know, once again, we talk about how man has free will, have free will to choose. Okay. We, we make choices every single day. God doesn't control our choices. We are not robots. He said, you have free will to choose. And sometimes when bad things happen to us, people get, you know, we talk about things that happen in our childhood, people that get beaten, you know, as children or molested as children or things that happen. A lot of times we want to blame that on God and say it was him. Well, why didn't God stop it? Because God doesn't intervene in people's choices. He doesn't do that. 
That was Satan. That was Satan attack. That was Satan's attack against your life because he wanted to try to kill you when you were younger. He wanted to kill you. He wanted to take you out. God didn't do that to you. Satan did that to you. God doesn't do evil things. He's, he's not evil. That's not in his character. It's not in his nature. God is a God of goodness. He's not a God of evil. Okay? So that's also another reason why people don't, I mean, you know, that's kind of going off topic, but that's why people don't, is, is they want to take things that have happened to them and they want to attach them to God when they're not, that's not God. That's Satan. That's the attack from the enemy. And, and they'll go back to, you know, it goes back to, to Adam and Eve. Well, why didn't God stop Eve from, do, from making that decision? Or why didn't God, if God knew that was going to happen, why didn't he? Because God sets laws in place. He doesn't violate them. God is faithful to himself. He's not going to violate that. He's not going to violate people's will to choose. People choose to do good things or bad things. And it is never okay. It's never okay for someone to get, you know, robbed or beaten or molested. That is never okay. And God will give you justice for that. God says in his word, we talked about this in, in, in the last podcast series I did. You cry out to him for justice. There is healing in God. Everything that is good that you're looking for resides inside of who God is. I mean, look at this. Look at all of the chances that Jesus had to repay enemies, to repay those to mock, ridicule, and look at his response. He is a God of love. He is a God of goodness. He is a God of wrath on his enemies. And he is a God of justice. This is why you want to be on God's side and not the not Satan's side, the, the kingdom of darkness. This is why you want to be in the kingdom of light. But this is a, just an example of looking at the character of God. Instead of looking at God and saying, well, I can't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. It's being thankful and being like, thank God you have character like this. Being like David, I would rather fall into the hands of God than fall into the hands of men around me because God is merciful. God doesn't respond the same way. I mean, look at looking at the character of God and looking how, just how incredible it is. And this is why there has to be a distinction between flesh and spirit. This is why in the church, it's not okay for pastors to get up and say, oh, well, you know, it's okay to sin. It's okay. No, it's not. It's not. It's not okay to sin. Jesus taught repentance. It is not okay to sin. You have to take that seriously because flesh and spirit are different. If they weren't, Paul never would have said there's this war there's this war going on between me. They wouldn't war against each other if it were okay. If it were okay to sin, it would never have been necessary for Jesus to die. Then Jesus would never have to have been crucified and gone through that. If sin was okay, if sin was okay, Adam and Eve would never have been kicked out of the garden. If sin was okay, if sin was okay, then death would never have come to, to the world. It's not okay. So when you're in churches and, and, and pastors and preachers get up and they make light of sin and sin, I know it's okay and it's, you're just human and you're just this and you're that. Uh-uh. No, no. Sin is not okay and it doesn't need to be taught like it's okay. It doesn't need to be taught like flippantly. Have people sinned? Yes, people have sinned. And there is forgiveness for sin. 
there is forgiveness. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is forgiveness. There is redemption. But by no means do you make light of sin. By no means. Because we are not people of the flesh. If you're a child of God, you don't have the mind of the flesh. You have the mind of the spirit. And you set your mind on things above. On beautiful things, noble things, pure things. You set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. So this aspect of God's character, I want you guys to see how beautiful it is. I want you guys to see, look at the moments in the Bible, the moment through scripture that we talked about, and truly see the beautiful character of God. That he doesn't respond like us. God had every right to look at Adam and even say, forget y'all, forget all of y'all. You screwed up. I gave you something perfect. Look at everything that I gave you. I made you perfect. I gave you a perfect world to live in and you screwed it up. Forget you. That's the logical response. That's the response that makes sense to the flesh. But thank God that we have a God who is not like that. That we have a God who walks in spirit and in truth and who, and who has an infinite mind and all knowledge and all wisdom. And again, going back and circling back before I close this out, that bothers people because people don't like things that they can't explain. But if man could explain everything, then there wouldn't be shows on TV called The Unexplainable. There wouldn't be things out there, mysteries that people are trying to solve or things or, or miracles. And they're like, I don't understand how this happened. You know, you are one arrogant person to say that you can explain everything. You can have an explanation for everything. I mean, I could, I could make up an explanation. I could turn around and be like, oh, yeah, you know how clouds got in the sky where the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man cut off his arm and threw marshmallows up in the sky and there's clouds. You know, I can say that. Is it true? No. You can make up an explanation to try to explain away things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's truth. When man recognizes that he is a finite being, that his mind is finite, when he can humble himself and say, I don't know everything, to me, I think that is one of the first steps to believing in God. Because when you can accept that you don't know everything, and you start to look around at things. The Bible talks about the explanation of, of um, there being the existence of God in creation. Look at trees. Look at the complexity of the world around you. And tell me God doesn't exist. Look at the sky. Look at the clouds. Look at planets. Look at trees. Look at everything. Look at flowers. Look at how many how many types of flowers and, and, and bugs and, and, you know, dissect an insect and look at the, it's, it's body and the inside of its body and how it works, the inside of the human body and how complex it is. How in the world can you deny the existence of the creator? And if you are so arrogant to say that there is, that there, that you can literally explain everything around you, you are living in delusion and denial. And it just comes down to pride. It comes down to the fact that you have elevated your mind, your mind, your thought processes above everything. And I hate to tell you, it's going to lead you right into a ditch. Because once you begin to trust your mindset above all else, 
if that were true, if your mindset was it had no errors and no flaws and, and you could completely trust your mind and, and, and the logical mind of yours to, then you would never make a mistake. You would never get anything wrong. You would be able to pass every test. You would never ever make, you would, you would be perfect and you're not. I'm telling you right now, you're not. The only perfect one that walked this earth was Jesus Christ. That's it. So humble yourself. Humble yourself and understand that the fact that there are things, there are responses of God that you don't understand is actually an amazing and incredible thing. If you could understand every single thing there is to know and had the answers to every single thing, then you would be God. Now, we have the mind of Christ, okay? When, we, when you become a Christian, you have the mind of Christ meaning that you that that you know you you learn like God teaches you and and God will give you wisdom but we need the mind of God we need the mind of Christ God reveals things to us in revelation God will reveal will teach knowledge to us and teach revelation and spiritual revelation he will teach things to us you know when when our mind becomes aligned with his mind because we have the mind of Christ and when we renew our mind with the word of God, we do begin to know more things. We do begin to see things from God's perspective because we're unified in that way. But God is God for a reason. He's all powerful. He's all knowledgeable. And I, I can tell you right now, there are things I just don't know. There are things that happen that I don't understand why they happen, Things, but I'm so glad that I can go to the source. I'm so glad I can go to the one who has all knowledge and say, God, you know, help me with this. Or I can search his mind. I can search his heart. I can search his character. I can search his being in, in the word and talk to him and have a relationship with him. I'm so glad that, that that is there. And if people would humble themselves and realize that you not being able to explain everything is actually a great thing. It's a great thing because it points to something greater and someone greater. That you can rely on. Because I I'm, I guarantee you, if you think that you don't make a mistake, that's your first mistake. Instead of seeing this aspect of God's personality that he doesn't respond like we do. Instead of looking at the Bible and, and being like the Pharisees and the scribes and getting angry about it. Why don't you see the beauty of it? Why don't you see the beauty that God thinks differently than we do? Thank God he does. Again, I go back to what David said. I'd rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of men. I'd rather fall into the hands of God and have God punish me than man punish me because I know at least with the Lord there is mercy. At least in the, in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, in the mind of God's Holy Spirit, there's mercy and there's love and there's redemption and forgiveness. Whereas with flesh, there is no forgiveness. There is no redemption. It's nothing but condemnation. I hope this helped you guys today. Uh, I hope this made sense. Um, 
I encourage you to go back, look at scripture for yourself, uh, read the Bible for yourself. I always, you know, encourage everybody to do that because it's important to know the Bible for yourself. So um, thank you guys for listening. And I will come at you guys later with another podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the follow button. You can also find me on Facebook as Pastor Rebecca Price or follow me on X as Rebecca Price. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more episodes that will help reanimate your life.